Okay, I'd like to call the meeting to order and we'll all stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Are you getting it on channel 19? It was a little bit. Okay, Ms. Campos, can we have a roll call, please? Commissioner Miller? Here. Commissioner Maynard? Here. Commissioner Chapman? Here. Vice Chair Smith? Absent. And Chair Fullerton? Here. Okay, next we have public forum. This is the time for any member of the public to speak on any item that is not on the agenda. Do we have any members of the public wanting to speak? If there are any members of the public on the Zoom app who wish to speak, please use the raise hand feature and I will call on you. I do not see any responses and I do not see any public speaker slips from the public as well. Okay. Do we have any amendments or adjustments to the Madam agenda? Chair, we have none. Excuse me. <clears throat> okay. The first item on the agenda is the administrative agenda. Can we please have this read into the record? So item A1, selection of the chair and vice chair. So good evening, chair, vice chair, and commissioners. This agenda item provides an opportunity for you to select a chair and vice chair for a one-year term. I will be asking for nominations for chair and vice chair, and no second is required. So let's go ahead and start. Do I have a nomination for chair at this time? Um, I'm in the queue. I don't see. Okay, Commissioner Maynard. I would like to make a nomination of Commissioner Smith for chair. Are there any other nominations for chair at this time? Hearing none, may I ask to do a roll call vote at this time? Yes, please. Okay. Commissioner Miller. Aye. Commissioner Maynard? Aye. Commissioner Chapman? Aye. And Chair Fullerton? Aye. So it appears we have Chair Smith. And at this time, we will do nominations for Vice Chair. I would like to nominate Commissioner Maynard to be Vice Chair. Are there any other nominations? Roll call vote. We can do a roll call vote at this time. Commissioner Miller? Aye. Commissioner Maynard? Aye. Commissioner Chapman? Aye. And Chair Fullerton? Aye. Okay, so now since we have a new chair who's not here, so I guess the vice chair will lead the meeting, so we should switch seats. Okay.
Thank you to the commission for um, nominating me as vice chair. Um, and thank you, Ms. Campo, for switching the signs. Um, can you go ahead and read in item B1 into the agenda? General Plan Coastal Land Use Plan 2022 Progress Report and finding the report is exempt under the California Environmental Quality Act. And we have a presentation from Seth. Thank you, Ms. Wells. Good evening, Vice Chair and Commissioners, and um, welcome to this uh, General Plan Progress Report. We do this every year, and this one is for the, the last calendar year, so not the fiscal year, but um, the year 2022. And um, the report, as it states in the staff report, is uh, required by state law, um, but we don't just prepare the report for the state. We do it for you, for the city council, and for the Glidy community, because really our, our time to let people know what, what's going on in um, the implementation of our general plan, where are we at? And so it's our pleasure to introduce the item to you. And um, I did want to emphasize that the preparation of a plan is uh, by really you know every department and city hall, because we're all implementing the general plan, and um, we're just delivering the message. But um, um, Hopefully you will be impressed by the progress that we've been making and Andy Newkirk, Senior Planner in Advanced Planning, will be giving you the presentation tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Um, as Zan mentioned, <clears throat> uh, this report is required by state law, so we submit it by April 1st of each year to satisfy several um, state law requirement reporting requirements. Um, and we'll walk through just some real high-level highlights um, in the presentation. Obviously, the report is included in the staff report. We're certainly happy to answer any questions you may have about anything we don't touch on, but we tend to give um, kind of an overview of the status of amendments, some highlights of implementation, and then some of the housing data. Um, so with that, I'll just dive right into that. Um, in terms of general plan amendments, um, this is um, the first part of the report uh, goes over the status of amendments. So we had one general plan amendment in 2022 that was for the historic preservation ordinance and implementation, and we'll touch on that a little bit in a subsequent slide. Um, there were three general plan amendments initiated, two for uh, parcel-specific land use changes and one for implementation of the, the updated airport land use compatibility plan um, in an expectation of that getting adopted by SBCAG, which did occur in early 2023. So more to follow on that in, in the coming year. Um, there were several general plan amendments that have carried over that were initiated through the initiation process, um, but have not um, so far moved forward with any actual amendments. And so those included several with uh, land use changes, um, or ESHA designation, redoing the ESHA maps in the general plan figures 3-5 and 4-1. Um, we initiated um, potential amendments to see conservation element 2.2 for looking at how we regulate streamside protection areas. And there was also the housing element update, which was pending at the end of 2022, but has since moved forward with an adoption of the updated housing element. And then one expired, which was a land use change to accommodate battery storage. Um, and that, that expired because the applicant did not move forward with an actual application on that site. And we have recently changed our regulations to have an expiration on initiation so that we don't have kind of this, this case where these initiations are pending in perpetuity. So we have changed those rules 
So that's something that's been added in this report is a little section on expired general plan amendments because that's a initiated amendments because that's a new concept um, in our procedures. So in terms of some of the highlights, um, again, we just have a few slides in here, but we're happy to talk about any of the other implementation actions. What, the way we do this report um, to ch check on the status of our implementation is we summarize where we are with each one of the implementation actions at the end of each of our elements. Um, so if you open up the general plan at the end of the, each element, there'll be you know, three to seven implementation actions for that, for that topic area. And then the, with the housing element, we go through every, every program. So in the open space element, one of the programs we have is preparation of individual park development and our management plan. So we just highlighted a couple in the report with Armidos Park moving forward with design plans finalized and looking forward to getting a contractor on board for that, for that project. Um, and then the Stowe Grove uh, Park Master Plan workshops were held in 2022 and there's more coming on the, the development of that design in 2023. And the safety element, um, the actual implementation action is for safety audits every year. So we, in the report, we typically mention the audit, and there's one done in August of 2022. Um, but we also tend to highlight the status of um, PRC 421, which is a, a former oil and gas lease um, right along Haskell's Beach. And so the picture we, have, we put in here is kind of a status of things at the end of the calendar year, and it's even changed since then, but it looks kind of like what you remember, but it's missing the caissons. So this was, by the end of 2022, the caissons had been removed, and I'm not sure exactly where we are today, but um, at least one of the peers, if not both of them, have now been um, taken down. So that's, that's something um, consistent with our housing, I mean, our general plan policies, and kind of something we like to highlight um, as part of the report as well. Um, for visual and historic resources, one of the implementation actions we have is preparation and adoption of citywide design guidelines. So we highlight in the report the adoption of the objective design standards. That does not fully satisfy um, that implementation action because the objective design standards only apply to certain qualifying projects. But we did want to highlight that that was kind of a step in, in getting some comprehensive design materials. We, we have general plan policy that has some detail about design expectations. We have, we have never um, moved forward with a full citywide design guideline document. Also in the visual and historic resources element implementations is creation of a historic preservation committee. And while it's not called a committee, it's called a commission. It was established in 2022 along with some general plan amendments to, to um, mostly remove information that was kind of re revised and reviewed and updated as part of that project. Um, so I believe that commission is meeting within the next couple weeks for the first time. Um, and along with that project, there was also uh, adoption of zoning amendments to outline procedures for historic resource preservation and cultural and archaeological resources. Um, so a lot that, that project concluded in 2022 and we're going to start seeing in 2023 the application of that, um, those regulations and um, that, um, that commission. Um, transportation element, one item we always like to highlight is our capital improvement program um, that's in, in the budget and so in 2022, there were 69 CIP projects, and they really run the gamut between kind of pedestrian, bike, automobile-oriented projects, parks, various um, different types of projects in there. Um, the five-year CIP budget includes um, projects of cost of approximately $340 million, 
um, and, and with 105 million unfunded. So we would like to just kind of track the overall um, cost of those projects and, and where we are with funding. And, and we noted in the report some of the projects that were you know, under construction or complete in 2022. There were several um, crosswalks, sidewalk improvement projects. So a couple of those we highlighted um, kind of finished product and um, under construction projects that were um, that occurred in 2022. And another one we have highlighted here is um, the Old Town um, kind of redesign of, of Hollister. And, and that was discussed quite a bit in 2022 for the interim striping project. So we highlighted that. Yeah. Um, hi, Vice Chair and Commissioners. I wanted to, to flag on this page that um, the capital improvement project or program uh, or the CIP will be um, brought to you in um, a month or so because you're also required under another state law requirement to make general plan conformity findings. So we'll bring you that packet and you'll learn more about the CIPs. But if you do have questions about CIPs, uh, Teresa Lopes is here and she's from Public Works and she can answer many of the questions that you might have about CIPs. So we just want to make sure and flag that she's also here in attendance for the meeting. And then I, I also wanted to flag that for scale, I remember working here when the, those that $340 million of projects that we're working on, which just tells you how much we're, how many, res, how many of our resources are going towards um, capital improvements, uh, you know, 20 million. I remember when it hit 20 million and was like, whoa, that's 20 million. And now we're, now we're really working in force. So uh, good things on the way there. So moving on to the housing element, um, we just have a couple slides here to highlight um, new housing stock data. And you'll see in the report, we, we try to, the state now requires us to report um, housing applications, housing approvals, all kinds of different things. And that's in one of the attachments to the report. Um, but within, embedded in the report itself, we also note housing two ways. One is actual certificates of occupancy, because that's really when housing units become real to those who are looking to be housed in our city. Um, so in 2022, so th we measure it by final inspection, which is a, our equivalent of a CFO, Certificate of Occupancy. Um, we had 200 and f 204 total units added, the largest component of which were the Cortona Apartments, um, which is um, one of the last big housing projects along our Central Hollister um, affordable housing overlay area. Um, so that those units got completed in 2022, so that's why you see that number. Um, total units 204, I believe Cortona was 175 of that. Um, so and several ADUs as well. Um, so those kind of make up the bulk of the, that accounting. Um, when we talk about RENA and how are the regional housing needs allocation, where we are towards meeting our RENA, um, that is based on uh, building permit issuances. So that's measured by the start of construction. So that's really the la kind of one of the last steps for us to clear a project to move forward. Um, so the, the number there is a little bit different um, so you see in 2022, there are 70 units, um, or sorry, 85 units. And you'll note that many of them are extremely low and very low. And that has to do um, with the Super 8 conversion for the supportive housing project. They pulled building permits, as, as the saying goes, um, in 2022. So that's why you're seeing that, that number there. And the remainder were, were accessory dwelling units. Um, and so you can see we're really getting towards the end here now of the fifth cycle. We talked to you about the, the sixth cycle recently, um, which start, started, or I guess starts February 15th in a couple days. Um, 
So you can kind of see how we really how we did over the full fifth cycle, um, and really from pretty early on in the cycle, we met our overall RENA target, which was 979 units, that first um, numeric column you see there. Um, however, we have we did not meet the targets for the below market rate units. Um, so, um, you know, overall, well above, you see the total units to date now, um, 1,400 plus units, where our arena target was 979, so well above. Um, but we, we will fall short on the below market rate units for the fifth cycle. Um, so some of the summaries, I headed off by one. Cortona Apartments, 176 units. Um, and then the supportive housing project was another um, kind of a big housing item from 2022. And then um, something that you don't see in those couple tables, but we are seeing an uptick um, in ADUs. Uh, I think the last two years we saw like 17, 18 range, and this year was 2022 was, 20, was 25 ADUs. So we're seeing um, kind of a steady increase in um, the usage of our ADU regulations. Um, so that's certainly a trend um, we'll, we'll continue to to watch as we enter the sixth cycle, but one that it looks like has some staying power. Um, so with that, again, we're happy to answer any questions or summarize any of the other material. It's a long report, um, but um, that's what we wanted to just highlight in the presentation. And what you're asked to do um, tonight and part of the staff recommendation is to recommend on to council um, uh, uh, adoption of or approval of the report and um, that includes the CEQA documentation which is a notice of exemption this is just a report this isn't changing our rules or regulations um, and also to submit to the state and that um, submittal of the state will be key as we have that statutory deadline of submitting this report um, by April 1st of this year Thank you very much for that presentation. Um, at this point, uh, typically what we would do is ask for any questions from the commissioners. So if you have clarification questions for staff, we'll take that at this time. Then we're going to go to public comment. And then after public comment, we'll ask for any commentary from commissioners. So if our new commissioners could think about that, kind of those two categories, questions first, then comments second. Um, so uh, first, are there any qu questions from planning commissioners? Yeah, uh, it, it does appear the Q button is not working, so just raise your hand if you'd like to speak. Um, question on the ADUs. Um, in the appendix, there was a field called tenure that's an owner slash renter. I guess to identify if it's someone that's going to live there versus rent it. Is there, are there any, is it like enforced or verified in any way or is it just um, taking their word for it? Um, there's an owner occupancy requirement in our regulations. I'd have to look exactly. There's some weird, some date changes on that. Um, but that is embedded. So, but that would mean living on site, not necessarily in the ADU. So we kind of expect most. You, you know, most of these units will be rented. Perhaps there's an owner occupancy and like a relative maybe, um, but but there's no obligation. There's no obligation to actually rent the unit um, in the in the AD regulations themselves. Okay, so like an owner, I know, seen something in our neighborhood. They took out their garage and basically used the AD rules to make a master bedroom. So I mean that's. 
is that legal? I mean, I think that's, unless there's nothing stopping them, it, you know, the, the goal is to get more housing, but it seems like from the few I've seen, that's not happening. So I was just wondering if there was any kind of enforcement or like verification on that. I, I think we, I don't know that we could answer that. I think we'd have to look back at the regulations and maybe even confer with legal to confirm um, whether there's any enforceability on that. But, uh, but there's nothing in the, explicitly in the regulations that say it shall be rented. Okay. And just a few more questions. Um, some of the, the items say, you know, no action was taken. Is there, in 2022, like, is there a time limit on all the things in the plan? Or is it kind of up to the city to prioritize when we can get to them? That, that's a great question. There, there are timelines in the general plan. We're not always on those timelines. And it, the city council prioritizes the timelines. And then many things take a lot longer. Um, for example, like transportation projects, we wait till we collect enough of the fees uh, from development to and you know then pull in grants to build things so we have a timeline in the general plan and then implementation is kind of a um, a moving target so um, that's why you'll see there's no action taken in some things again the work programs go to the um, city council and then they authorize us for the work to um, undertake in the next calendar year or fiscal year okay and then one final question, there was in section HE 2.2, linking of housing and jobs, it mentions the city is considering implementation of a local resident employee housing preference for affordable units. Um, is there any more information on that? Is that something that's being discussed for this coming year? Uh, yes, we're bringing that to the city council in our work program. So they'll be considering that in uh, a month or so when they look at, our, at what we have on our plate. Okay, great. Thanks. That's all my questions. Commissioner Miller. I have a question about the um, changes to the revised draft being submitted to the state. One of the items says revising the inventory of housing sites which led to an increase in the overall estimated capacity of housing units Scalita can accommodate from 2,065 to 2,614. My question is, how do you determine the number of housing units that can be built on a particular parcel? Is there a formula for that? Or how does that work? I mean, that's probably a much bigger question <laughs> that could possibly be answered tonight. But I I'm just trying to get a feel for, you know, how in the world that is determined, you know, because if it's all, everything's one story or two stories or, you know, it's just a big mystery to me how you do that. So that's my question. I'm not sure if you're if your question is about this annual report for 2022 or if it's about our housing element, but, but um, in general, if you're talking about housing elements and sites inventory, um, there is a method to identifying the density that, um, uh, for the potential units. And I wanna emphasize that word potential. When we run the math for sites inventory for a housing element, they're you know, really theoretical. We're taking out constraints, we're looking at each parcel, individually um, and using the density. But in this 
upcoming housing element, not the one that was um, guiding this general plan annual report for 2022. Um, this new housing element has a different method for looking at the inventory, um, where we took a little bit more of a conservative approach in um, many instances. So I, I don't know if that like answers your question, but I wanted to emphasize it's really a theoretical um, uh, analysis of our site's inventory when it comes to telling the state, like this is what we can, we can accommodate with our build-out potential. And then when the projects come in, they're a little bit different than, um, than what we you know, originally presented them, the, the state with in our site's inventory table. Though when we report back, we're pretty close because a lot of times when we put things in our site's inventory, because we're talking to uh, the landowners or they have a conceptual project that's in the door, so we have something to work with when we're looking at our um, vacant land or underutilized properties. And, and if, you, if you would like, Andy can talk to you a little bit more about, it's not this um, report, but he can, if you want, he can talk a little bit more about other things that we use when we um, look at our site's inventory to do estimates. Yeah, I'll add a couple things. Um, so for the the housing element that was adopted on January 17th by the city, um, for vacant sites, we assumed maximum density allowed. That's typically what we see on vacant sites um, that are very close to it. And we in the housing element technical appendix, there's a table that lists out recent projects and the percentage of max density that they were built at. And in many cases, it's over 100% because they utilized density bonus or something like that. Um, and then on non non vacant sites, we took we, we took a conservative estimate of half of the maximum development potential. So a lot of the sites use a just a half, um, just considering potential hurdles, costs, etc. Um, but that we were still able to account for that many units um, with with counting half of the max density on what would be mixed use redevelopment. Um, and then I'd note that so kind of the Rena is a Kind of a bifurcated item where at the beginning of the housing element cycle we have to show we have capacity and that's looking at you know build out and vacant sites all those things and then as part of the annual progress report um, it's appendix c to the report is this very exhaustive reporting we have to do to hcd to show kind of what we're seeing with applications how we're processing what we're approving what's getting built and so that that table ends up as a PDF is like 20 something pages now um, and that lists kind of all these projects that we see and that that reporting goes to show how we're actually doing on the ground towards meeting the arena for the housing cycle so when you see that table um, in the in the presentation um, it's a little hard to read on the big screen but um, it's also in the staff uh, it's in the the packet this shows kind of the, this is our was the allocation for the fifth cycle, and then how many units we've issued building permits every year. So this 2022 data that we're reporting in the annual report is actual real data. Where, as you know, Anne was describing at the beginning of the cycle, it's more of kind of a conceptual counting. This actually shows what we're actually seeing um, throughout the period and how we're how we're doing. So, you know, as we move into the sixth cycle, this slide will be have a lot more empty cells. Next year, we'll be looking at just one column of actual data, um, and then just building on that over the next eight years. Um, so what you're seeing here is um, kind of the building of that eight 
that eight years of the housing cycle. Commissioner Chapman, do you have any questions? Yes, thank you. Um, so I have a question about um, some of the uh, items of each element. Um, there's several that this apply to. Uh, one in particular I picked out was the uh, noise element, I think it's 1.2. Um, that was the one about developing uh, standards. Uh, yeah, create new manuals. Um, and the text of it basically said that we're not really going to create separate manuals because that's covered in other documents like the zoning ordinance. Um, for items like that, is there a reason why we wouldn't, um, if, if we decided basically we're not going to do that because we're doing it through other means, is there a reason not to update the element uh, item to kind of reflect that? Or is that basically not kind of worth the, the trouble? So I, I can take a stab at that. Um, I think probably, like these are kind of derived from these implementation actions are derived from kind of a comprehensive general plan update. So I think trying to tweak these on the fly might not be kind of the best approach. Um, you know, there's still good markers to see kind of what was envisioned as follow-up to the general plan adoption. But in some instances, it's like, well, we've done something kind of similar but a little bit different and that, you know, probably satisfies what we need to do, kind of broadly speaking. Um, and then there's others where it's like we really haven't, you know, haven't done anything or some, sometimes where we've like very explicitly done it like the Historic Preservation Committee, the Creek Watershed Management Plan, like some, some items that we actually like just directly hit. But I think over time some of these it's like something close to it is really what makes the most sense. Um, keeping in mind many of these implementation actions are written in like the 04 to 07 timeframe. So, you know, things have changed since then. And, and I'll add that the horizon or the, the, you know, the vision of the general plan is about 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, you don't, up, like, like Andy said, you don't update it like along the way with the, the wording like historic committee or commission mm -hmm. um, or even some of these concepts in the noise element that you point out. But we will be soon looking at, um, look, you know, looking at a work program to update our whole general plan. We're not there yet, but but we will. And some of those, we'll relook at um, when we partially implement something or implement a program in a different way that's getting and addressing the same issue that's being raised, um, but just not exactly in that in that path. So, and we do general plan amendments when when we're really diverging off of what the policy says. Sure. So we do those, and you'll you'll see some of those in the in the next year mm -hmm. um, that we'll bring to you to, to get updates because, again, because state law changed, it's causing a completely different um, look at a particular topic. And um, anyway, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, that does. Um, and then uh, I have another question about uh, housing element 2.7. Um, I was wondering um, the one of the... Uh, uh, responses to that was that the uh, um, I'm sorry there was let me see if I can find that um, there was regulations about the maximum um, uh, I, I can't find the note for it right now uh, uh, I have another question about the housing element though uh, about uh, 
3.1, it mentions that the um, city was considering uh, or was planning on developing a um, anti-discrimination provision. Um, and I don't see that explicitly um, uh, addressed in the summary. And I'm wondering, if, if is that one of those things that's kind of covered by another thing, or is it something that, that hasn't had progress and, and is not mentioned in the, in the item? Commissioner Chapman, um, I believe it just wasn't referenced in the summary, but that's just an ongoing, the referral of discrimination concerns is just an ongoing kind of practice of the city. So it's not in the summary um, that does occur. Commissioner Campman, uh, Chapman, um, if you wanted the 2.7, uh, which you had asked about, that's on page 57 or center page, page 41, if you're looking for the reference. Yes, I, yes, okay, thank you, I found it. Um, so yes, the question about that was, um, I noticed that it's uh, with the beneficial projects and the waiver of the impact fees, um, the maximum square footage for that is 750 square feet, and I noticed that the maximum for a one-bedroom is 850 square feet, and I'm wondering what is the reason for that cutoff between those two, I guess, you know, what is the rationale for the, the, the maximum square footage and how it relates to the, the housing element, and, and it seems like those would be the same, and I'm, I'm wondering why they're different. So, Commissioner Chapman, I'll throw the state under the bus there. Um, those are both numbers that come from the state. Um, under state law, we're not allowed to apply impact fees for ADUs under 750 square feet, um, which upped the, the level from where our beneficial project was originally at 500. We recently reconciled the beneficial project's resolution to match. Um, and then the 850 square foot for a one-bedroom studio is, again, um, what's provided it for in state law. So why they opted to do that, um, yeah, I think, That'd be a question for them, but we're in both instances we're mirroring um, state law on that. Okay, I see. That's all my questions. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. Do we have any public comment, Ms. Campos? If there are any members of the public wishing to speak on the Zoom app, please use the raise hand feature, and I will call on you. And I do not see any responses at this time. Thank you, Ms. Campos. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and close the public hearing and then move on to deliberation by the planning commissioners. Are there any commentary from the planning commissioners? Okay, um, Commissioner Fullerton. Yeah, I just want to say once again, um, this is a very complete, interesting report. It was nice to see like a lot of the things that we've been working on for the last few years actually come into fruition so um, I don't have any more questions or comments I support it <laughs> I will also share my appreciation for staff this is a very thorough report but more so it is just an impressive um, uh, example of all of the great work done throughout the year um, and just the amazing amount of work that our city does um, to help support our community. So thank you um, for all that you do throughout the year. Uh, with that, I'll go ahead um, and accept a motion. Would anybody like to make a motion? Okay. I'll make a motion 
um, to adopt resolution number 23- entitled a resolution of the Planning Commission of the City of Goleta, California recommending to the City Council approval of the general plan coastal land use plan 2022 progress report for submittal to the governor's office of planning and research in California Department of Housing and Community Development and finding the report to be exempt from the California Environmental Quality Act. Thank you, Commissioner Fullerton. Can I get a second? Uh, I'll second. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Miller. Um, and now I'll ask Ms. Campos to lead us in a roll call vote. Commissioner Miller? Aye. Commissioner Fullerton? Aye. Commissioner Chapman? Aye. And Vice Chair Maynard? Aye. Uh, with that, we'll go on to uh, the planning director comments. Uh, Mr. Imhoff, do you have any comments for us today? Yes, thank you, Madam Vice Chair. I'd like to just begin by welcoming our two new commissioners um, to the commission. We're very happy to have them. Uh, I was able to meet with them last Friday to talk about some of the nuts and bolts of operation of this commission, and, and I am excited to uh, work with them going forward. Um, a couple of other updates. Um, our next meeting will be on February 27th, where we will consider the um, accessory dwelling unit ordinance that will be coming to the Planning Commission. The City Council took action in December to adopt an urgency ordinance uh, concerning ADUs to meet the requirements of new state laws, and now we're following through with a regular ordinance that will uh, come to uh, this commission. Um, also in December of note, or rather in January, the, the council adopted, as you heard, the city's um, housing element, and staff has transmitted that housing element to the state housing and community development department. So we're very excited to have that milestone behind us, and we are now um, uh, waiting patiently and looking forward to whatever uh, action or comments the state housing and community development department has for us. And then lastly, I wanted to make the commission aware, in case you're not already aware, that uh, Linda Gregory, the city's longtime consultant under contract to provide hearing support to the Planning Commission, um, passed away uh, in December unexpectedly following many years of service to the city. And uh, her loss is great for our department. Um, we will miss her quiet dedication, her kindness, and her gracious spirit. Um, and uh, we are um, lesser for her loss. And that concludes my report. Are there any questions for Dr. Imhoff or Director Imhoff? Um, I had one other uh, quick question. Um, you had mentioned about the housing element and getting submitted and just congratulations to the city staff. I know that was a huge lift um, and it was really impressive that we were able to get that across the finish line. Do we know what the status is of the county and not the other cities around us? Where is anybody else able to make the February deadline? Uh, we do have some, uh, um, we're aware and we're tracking uh, what other jurisdictions around us are doing. This has been a very difficult housing cycle, I think, for many jurisdictions around the state. And so um, many jurisdictions, including other jurisdictions in Santa Barbara County, are um, not going to be able to meet the deadline, the February 15th deadline, for mm -hmm. getting their um, housing elements adopted and into the state. Um, all right, uh, so with that, we'll go on to the next item, um, and that is planning commission comments. Are there any comments from commissioners? Okay. 
Um, I think one, uh, there is an upcoming Planning Commissioner Academy coming up that I believe we were emailed about, um, and that is at the end of March. Um, and I will say I have attended that before and really learned quite a lot from it. So I encourage my other commissioners to consider attending that. Um, anything else on the Planning Commission? All right, um, we will move on to adjournment. So for this, uh, we will do a, um, I we'll seek a motion for adjournment. A motion to adjourn. Thank you, Commissioner, um, Commissioner Fullerton. And uh, can I get a second? I'll second that. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Chapman. Uh, now we'll give a roll call vote for adjournment. Commissioner Miller? Aye. Commissioner Fullerton? Aye. Commissioner Chapman? Aye. And Vice Chair Maynard? Aye. And we are now adjourned. It's worth its heartache. 